Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Janice Tanell, for today, Sunday, October 4th. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We are excited. We have um, some great guests on the show with us tonight. Um, just a reminder, if you have a call or a comment or question, you can call us at 914-803-4399. And now I'm going to turn it over to Denise. Good evening, everyone, and once again, thank you guys for joining the show with us tonight. Just a quick reminder, I will be on Twitter, and you can follow the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag, the Black Creatives Experience. Again, that's the hashtag, the Black Creatives Experience, and we are uh, tweeting from Beauty Talk, so we're beauty underscore talk. Again, that's beauty underscore talk, and uh, we're going to turn it back over to Janice to start the show. Uh, is she there? <laughs> I'm sorry, can you, did you guys hear me? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I said I was going to, I wasn't sure um, if we had all of our guests on the line. I think I see at least three, and I know um, I know of Robin and Alfeo's numbers, but 
um, I'm just going to bring everybody on one by one, and you guys can just introduce yourself. And so I was trying to bring Alfeo on first. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. How, how are, are you, you Alfeo? Doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Just introduce yourself to our audience and tell them what you do. Um, well, um, I am a, a camera operator and steady cam operator, uh, and my main job function is to uh, operate the uh, camera and and um, and help facilitate any type of uh, shots that are brought up by the director and the director of photography. All right. All right. Robin, you're next. Let me bring you on. Hey, Robin. Hello. How are you ladies doing? Pretty good. How are you? We're good. We're good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my name is Robin Strickland. Um, I am a director photographer. I'm working on a show right now called Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me. We're doing it over <laughs> here at um, Bronson Studios. You know, is that is that a funny title for you? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think that's every kid's request. <laughs> yeah. Um, the star, of course, is uh, well, uh, is Jamie Fox. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, based loosely on his daughter's point of view, and she's one of the producers, which is really cool because uh, that's the only way um, this is done if you want to get um, other producers and especially family members or give them an opportunity mm-hmm. to where they can get. Uh, but I'm getting off the subject probably ahead of you guys. So uh, my job function is the, the visual um, of how the show should look. I work with uh, the director and producers and the uh, production designer, and I'm in charge of uh, – mm-hmm the camera department and the lighting department and the mm-hmm. grip department. And uh, we're there to create the visual effects and even some of the camera moves um, as far as how the show should go. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I think this is one of our other guests. I'm not quite sure. Let's see. I'm on the phone. Hello. Hello. This is Johnny Simmons. How are you? Good. How are you, Johnny? I'm doing all right. Um, thanks for putting this together. Um, I'm also a director of photography. <clears throat> I'm also a director of photography, and Robin pretty much told you what we do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm presently I'm doing a show called Family Reunion uh, for Netflix, and that's what I do. I do the same thing that Robin does. Now. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think. Um, I don't think um, Donald is on the line. He's he's in LA DP. Yeah, uh, yeah. Morgan, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. I mean, I could say some more. I mean, you know, as a cinematographer, we're responsible for all the technical decisions regarding the lighting, shot selections, camera operating. Um, and we work hand-in-hand hand with the, um, like Robin said, the director uh, and mm-hmm. the producers and the writers and to give life to the words on the page. And um, that's what we do. We 
tell a story with the camera. And we work with the camera operators like the brilliant Orfeo and um, mm-hmm. try and interpret the story visually to our best ability. Right. Let me ask you this question while, while we're waiting for Donald. Let me just ask this question because this is something that I didn't hear anyone say, but I would like to see more of, is what is your relationship with the makeup artist? Oh, you want to take that, Robin, or want me to take it? Uh, well, the, the relationship <laughs> with the makeup artist, and as you girls know, is very important. Um, um, if I could go back to the days when I was in Atlanta and working over at uh, the Tyler Perry Studios, uh, I felt Denise and I worked very closely together on just on how yeah. on how the uh, the uh, artists look. And it's and it's no right. different here from in L.A. You know, it's, it's it's vital because I have to be we we both have to be in lockstep with one another. Um, and the way the cameras are now, it's it's even gotten just the well, it's gotten a lot easier. Um, but uh, yeah, we're in lockstep with uh, the makeup makeup department is very very important. Not to be over. Yeah. Yeah, would you like the, to see uh, makeup artists really kind of like step up and really take on that role of communicating with the DPs more? Uh, my, for me, it, it, okay. go ahead, Johnny. Oh, I was going to say, um, I work closely with the makeup artists. Before we start the show, we do a lot of makeup tests. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about uh, different tones of makeup that people have chosen. This week, uh, one of the stars in my show had extremely long eyelashes on that were causing uh-huh. a, a kind of a raccoon underneath her eyes, you know, with mm-hmm. the dark shadow from the lashes. So, you know, the makeup yeah. lady and I had to get together and talk about shorter lashes. And, you know, it's our job to make people beautiful. <clears throat> the people <clears throat> make the actresses and the actors look good and um in order to do that, we, I have to work very closely with the makeup artists. A lot of them did visit my monitor. I even give them um, instructions on how to call up a camera. So if I'm not there and they have a question about their makeup, they can look. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's very important to the success of the cinematographer for the makeup artist and the DP, like Robin said, to be lockstep together. Right. Right. And and so, um, Alfeo, what about you? What about your relationship with the makeup artist? Because I I often feel like you know, sometimes I think camera operators can pick things out before before we actually see them. You know, certain things like eyelashes and um, you know, eyelashes coming off or or there's there's glitter glitter on the face. Things that sometimes when we're because we're always in the actors' faces, so sometimes you can be in their faces so much that you don't see tiny things like that. And so I feel like the, the camera operators see a lot of stuff uh, pretty quickly that we don't see. Like, how do you see, do you feel like the, um, the relationship between the camera operators and makeup artists could be better? Well, I, I would say that it used to be a lot better. Now with, mm-hmm. with the set monitoring that's available, you know, um, Johnny and, and Robin are back there with bigger and better monitors than the camera operator yeah. before you had, you know, it, it used to be the camera operator sees it first. Um, well, that's not the case anymore. It's, it's, I've learned to, you know, 
if if I don't see if I see something, I'll definitely you know mention it and you know it's like, mm-hmm. hey, do you guys see this or or is it just me? Because sometimes it could be just you know something I'm seeing and and not really coming out on the other end of the camera. It's uh, it could just be something you know a speck of dirt that got into my uh, eyepiece or something uh, or on my right. monitor, which is ten times smaller than what uh, is at Video Village or back at the uh, director's of photography's monitoring station. Yeah. Alfeo brings, brings up a very good point. You know, back in the old days, when the cinematographer was the only one that actually saw what something looked like, because you had to wait the dailies the next day, the cinematographer and the camera operator would be the ones that would actually make a call if there was something wrong with makeup. But now it's such a communal experience and everybody on the set basically has a monitor to look at, you know, you have producers and writers that might come up and make a comment because everybody has a monitor now. Right. Right. And so let's see. Alfeo, I know you talked a little bit about what you do as a camera operator, but can you tell me, like, what skills, I mean, and we know being able to operate a camera, but what other skills are necessary um, to be in your position? Like, what, is there, like, a certain training that you need to have? Like, how, how do you get to be a camera operator? Well, um, you definitely have to have, of course, the skills themselves uh, of, of working with, you know, almost any and every type of platform that uh, might show up. I mean, there's definitely going to be specialty things that you might not do or someone definitely does it better, um, you know, such as underwater or steady cam or, you know, drone um, working with uh, remote uh, heads uh, and those things. Uh, those are all skilled learn- learning Those are all skilled tools uh, and skilled learning that anybody can pretty much pick up. Um, I I think the artistry comes in with, you know, having little creative decisions and spins that you, you know, might be able to influence or might not be able to influence. And that depends on uh, the the structure of how, of the department that you're working with in terms of the director of photography and the director. Um, Most of them that, you know, are, are brilliant, will let you, you know, give some type of influ- in, influence, but for the most part, um, you know, you're, you have to kind of fill out where you lie with, with, your, with the people you're working with. And, of course, that trust from years of working comes in more. Um, you know, I think one of the primary uh, roles that, you know, I have is coordinating the camera uh, operations on set and trying to keep what we call keep the set running. Uh, and that is one huge skill set that really just comes with time and practice and, and understanding um, the roles of everybody else on that, on that set and trying to keep things moving. Um, listening to, you know, listening and communication, listening to the director and the DP, um, you know, they're talking about coverage and composition things of that, and then being able to offer ideas and thoughts that would help implement the plan that they've come up with, and maybe, you know, 
knock off a shot or two off of the list by com- combining some type of compound move or or something that you know and just constantly thinking about you know how can how can I improve or how can I um, if I see something that would knock out being able to get two or three of their shots accomplished in one, um, you know, coming up with that type of things, uh, those type of things and ideas, uh, working with, you know, working with other people closely at the camera. I mean, it's not just one person's, um, you know, that's making that shot happen. You've got a dolly grip, you've got a first AC, you have to make sure that you coordinate with those, those, uh, people, the, um, the on, working with an on-set dresser who is um, basically the art department's person who is on set um, there to help facilitate uh, all aspects of, of the day's work with the camera department and the grips and the electrics, moving stuff and then placing it just for camera uh, or moving it out of the way so that cameras can move. And also the second AD with um, working with the background actors for placement. Uh, it's, you know, there's all of those things going into, you know, making that shot happen and all of the people to make it happen. Uh, you're basically coordinating with all those folks. They're coming and asking you questions of this, this. A lot of times now they can go to a monitor and look at things, but used to, it used to be, you know, everybody's coming to the camera operator for the questions of what's in the shot, what's happening with uh, this and, and where are you looking and, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so, Alfeo, how, how long have you been a camera operator? Um, 17 years. Wow. And then Robin and Johnny, how long have you guys been working as DPs? I've been a DP since uh, the 1970s. Wow, nice. One of my, yeah, yeah, long time. Um. Uh, I just got to say, uh, with Johnny, he is—he's um, being very modest. <laughs> he is one of the uh, 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 one of the best in the business. Him and Don Morgan both. Um, mm-hmm. So I—I uh, I steal things from Johnny and Don. So I see them do something, and I incorporate it with what I do. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, I've been doing this uh, since uh, uh, the 80s. Uh, Actually, the late Mm. 70s. My first show was uh, Soul Train. So that's where Mm -hmm. I got a taste of it at. And uh, and I've been been doing it ever since then, on and off between there and gaffing. Um, So it's it's been it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Now, Robin, have you ever been a camera operator? Oh uh, no! I came up through the lighting crew. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. And then I did. I did a few uh, um, uh, non-union stuff that I did operate mm-hmm. a camera, and it was handheld, mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it. But I enjoyed the the of, of the lighting, the whole aspect of that. Um, lighting, gotcha. But it, yeah, so I, I stayed strong, uh, strongly with that. In order to get um, to get to where I am now. So let me ask gotcha. all of you: from the time that you guys started, 
camera operators, lighting department, uh, DPs. What are some of the changes that you've noticed um, within those departments, within those departments um, from when you first started to now? I'm sorry, can you say that again? You broke up on my end. No, I'm sorry. Can you, I said, I said um, what are some of the changes that you, you guys have noticed um, from, you know, from, you know, like Alfeo, you, I know you said 17 years as a camera operator, but I remember, you know, you, know, you were doing stills when I met you. Um, and then, Robin, you're saying that, you know, you came up in the lighting department, now you're a DP. Like, what are some of the things that you guys that have noticed that have changed uh, for the better or worse um, over the years? Well, um, for me, that, yeah, for me, it's been the equipment. It's, it's, uh, cool. the equipment is the biggest change of it all. Uh, it's gotten to be where it's, uh, it's far superior than what we used to work with. Um, um, <laughs> When uh, when I started this, um, and Johnny will attest to, the cameras were tubes, and we're just starting to get in a few solid states. So, but that's how far back that goes. But it, the camera has completely changed, and in the lighting equipment now we use a lot of LEDs, uh, which we can play uh, with the uh, color temperature, uh, change that on a fly before you have to maybe add more equipment in there to make a change or use gels to make a change. Now you can do it all with an, with one light and an LED. And it's, that's the biggest thing that I've noticed. It's just, it's just the equipment. Um, Johnny, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, when I started, I started in film um, and I was there. I mean, in film it was a different ball game because the cinematographer, um, he was like a magician, you know. He'd make decisions, and people would stand back and look at him. The director would stand next to a camera rather than stand at a monitor. And then eventually monitors came into play, and um, the monitors were like some small, horrible little black-and-white monitors, so visual decisions couldn't really be made. Compositional choices could be uh, exchanged between the director and the cinematographer, but never the lighting. And even... Uh, as that progressed into color monitors that would, you know, that you could connect to the 35 millimeter, 16 millimeter cameras, you still couldn't make visual choices by looking at those monitors. As things progressed, um, and you also had latitude of exposure, which, you know, was perfect exposure. You had so many stops above and so many stops below that worked. And then when I first got into the game, like Robin said, with uh, not they weren't digital cameras. They were just tape cameras. Everything was um, a tube camera, which didn't have very much latitude. They required more light than you really wanted to have out there. And it was a little bit difficult to paint the picture with those cameras. And then finally they moved up to um, dig, uh, high definition cameras. Is that what they were? Those Sony 900s, Robin? Yeah. Yeah, I used to yeah. hate those cameras. Um, you couldn't have an actor in a white, uh, you know, a black actor in a white shirt or a white piece of paper at the dinner table or his desk while he was working. You'd always ask for an off color or something like that so it wouldn't, uh, so that you could hold exposure. And now things have changed drastically 
because now we have cameras and um, you can create looks that what your eye can see, you can duplicate that look and everybody can share in it. The good part and the bad part about that is that everybody can share in it. So people have, you know, things to say about the choices that you make. And, you know, it was a long time before, uh, as a young cinematographer, for people to trust your decision. As I got older, I don't get that kind of challenge anymore. You know, it's like, okay, that looks good. Okay, it looks good. I was doing something from Netflix last season, and it was some, some people walked away from a campfire into the woods, and I had them really, really dark. And I had to run back and check with my VIT uh, uh, and colors to see if I really had enough there, and I did, you know, enough light. And the producers from Netflix and the director walks up to my count, walks up to me, and they say, Johnny, that's awfully dark. I said, yeah, because they just walked away from the campfire into the woods. It's supposed to be dark. And they said, oh, yeah, you're right, and walked away. <laughs> so I don't know if I answered your question, but, I mean, things have changed drastically. And just like Robin said, we have such technology and lights right now. It's just amazing what we can do with color temperature and dimming on the fly and things like that that can really make a difference in terms of execution and speed and efficiency and um, just period. It's just a whole new ballgame. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys, I want to jump into what I really wanted to have you guys on the show to talk about. Um, um, first, I'm just excited and happy to have um, – Black men from the camera department on the line tonight. Um, um, I want to talk a little bit about race um, and diversity. Um, I just want to know from you guys, what do you think, in your opinion, what is the state of this industry, you know, in film and television, as it relates to, you know, race, equality, inclusivity, diversity, as far as your position is concerned? Uh, I could say something really quickly. I, mm-hmm. Being a department head, being in charge of the grip and lighting department and the trauma department, I can make decisions on what my crew looks like. And I've been doing that for years. And I've always felt... I grew up in such a racist industry. I mean, it was really hard for me um, as a young camera assistant. Things changed a little bit when I became a camera operator um, for me. But I, I grew up in an industry that was really white and really racist. My first job as a camera tech, as a camera assistant, uh, I worked on a grip. Uh, the grip truck had the most derogatory jokes of Martin Luther King, these are Chavez, Asian people. It was a horrible environment to work in. And I made it a point that when I became a cinematographer, I would make my crew look like the world that I lived in. And I wanted that environment to be such that if a young person came on my set, they could see the possibility of fulfilling their dream in that kind of environment. Nice. Nice. What about you, Robin and the fans? 
Uh, well, in in my case, is uh, is a lot like Johnny's. Um, um, it just wasn't many of us at all, even as electricians. Um, which I said that's how I started out, and the only reason I got my first job as a um, uh, in charge of a show was with Soul Train, and that was due to uh, Don Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Um, he appointed me to be his next uh, lighting director. So that means I was in charge of the lighting crew and uh, the camera crew, and, you know, I had to um, uh, set the look. And, and it was a great opportunity for me. And I remember having a conversation with him just before I started, which, you know, kind of like put pressure on me. <laughs> but that's the, way, mm-hmm. that's the way the business is. Is Don says, hey, uh, I'm all about moving somebody up. And uh, it w- you wouldn't have got this without me saying so because he wanted, he wanted to have a black uh, um, lighting director. And he's always had a black lighting mm-hmm. director. Don has always brought in blacks uh, to be on his show. Camera personnel in uh, his office staff, you know. So I was very appreciative of that, and I did not let that go to waste. And I was working with uh, uh, another uh, brother Johnny knows, too. His name is Walter Glover, and he comes from the film world, and he's a DP. And he was uh, on the show just before me, and he wanted to uh, move on to something else. That was another reason I got the show. And and he was been. Very helpful. I, I've been lucky in a sense to where I had a few brothers that I could look up to that would give me guidance. Like I said earlier, Johnny, Don Morgan, and Walter Glover, brothers like that that weren't afraid to uh, share their knowledge and to uh, help another young brother out at the time to move ahead. So um, uh, that was um, uh, a thing I just did not did not want to waste at all was just that opportunity. But the racism was, was strong and it was real. And, uh, and I would been on many productions where I was the only black person there. They just would not give that, uh, us that opportunity. And I, um, when I got in a position where I could do that, I made sure I had some brothers on my crew, even if I was just gaffing showing. I I would come up with a black crew. So, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as you know, this is this is the world that we live in, and we see it now outside of our business. You know, when you think about our country right now, right, so. absolutely. Right. What about you, Alfeo? Um, what do you think the state of the industry is right now in regards to camera operators and the whole camera department? Uh, it's, it's, it's really bad. Uh, we were just talking about that. I'm part of the SOC inclusion committee and, and you look at, you look at our community and, and where we're heading and going, there's been great strides to get, um, uh, more blacks in the underclassifications, meaning loaders, the digital utilities, maybe second AC and a lot of them are in music video and unscripted world. Um, and there's not that many opportunities opening up um, that people see access to in the scripted world and in um, 
um, in, in terms of feature films and scripted television. Um, and so right now there are, there's probably uh, two hand, uh, two hands, handfuls of, you know, camera operators right now that can take on a big show and, and, and really handle and hold their own. Um, and so there's a, a huge disparity, disparity in the number of white camera operators to people of color uh, when it gets to camera AC, first assistants and um, <clears throat> camera operators. Um, and and I contributed to the lack of access and opportunities as they're con- trying to go up the ladder um, because most most of the time to become a camera operator, you have to come through that camera department. I, I was fortunate that I was on the coattails of brothers who were with, you know, the Johnny Simmons and the Don Morgans and the Robin Harris's, um, you know, the um, – um, Oh God! Uh, what's what's our gap? Black gap that died a couple of years. Carl Carl Johnson, Carl Johnson, Balaji, oh, yeah. um, uh, Balaji Bailey. Um, yeah. You know these 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 brothers, you know, were given opportunities elsewhere and ended up in Atlanta, and um, and I was that generation coming right behind them. So the door had already opened up, but it was it was by no means ever widely <clears throat> opened. Uh, it, it, right. Especially, you know, the music video company that I ended up running into by mishap and getting into this industry, um, you know, they were one of my biggest advocates because they were hiring, they were doing a lot of projects in Atlanta, and they made opportunity for someone um, and and said, hey, look, you know, as long as you don't fuck up, yeah, you can, you can you know, work as our second AC on all our jobs. And so, you know, no matter what job they had coming in, you know, I was still, and sometimes I'd travel with them. I I remember uh, a a white assistant up in Virginia, white first AC, Focus Fuller, and he tells me, hang on to the film until we get our paychecks um, from from the producers. (laughs) And I'm like, but you know I'm with them. They brought me, you know, I, I was about to say something. I was, yes, sir. Because that's a reality that some, you know, that they've had is that, you know, some hold on to some collateral until we can make sure we get paid. And so, you know, <laughs> literally, I'm sitting there in, in the production trailer as he's trying to get his money. And he's like, and there's like he's like, the producer's like, uh, who is a friend of mine, says, and where's my film? He's like, yeah, we just, you know, we we have it us already, but we wanted to get our paychecks, and I'm just sitting over there holding the film like, yeah, give my us our money, you know, shaking my head like, yeah. And he looked at me like, okay, all right. And, you know, he knew what was up, and, but it was just that reality of, you know, just the trust that, you know, a lot of people didn't trust those music video companies because they they were black. And, um but yeah, those are the cats that you know. Fortunately, I was with a really good company, uh, Ruben Whitmore, uh, who has been teaching up at uh, Art Institute in in uh, Milwaukee, and and Eric Haywood, who you know one of the producers and showrunners of uh, Empire, uh, you know, right in that show. Um, so you know these they 
they were very big advocates on making sure that people um, worked and if they came across someone good, uh, you know, they would by all means would throw them into the into the circle and make make good of them. Gotcha. Do you guys have like any specific um, examples of racism that you may have experienced that you can share? Man, do I have some? I made a movie called Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored with uh, Tim Lee as the director. It was in the 90s. I don't know if you've ever seen the story or not. It's a pretty good film. Every black actor alive is in that movie. Um, But I can remember we were doing a very big scene, and I I was in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and this is only one story. I got a lot of them, but this is just the funniest one because it's an all-black show. It's a black director. It's an all-black cast. And we're doing a big dance, and we had to hire local camera operators. So I sit down on one of the cameras and look through the eyepiece, and this little white boy walks up to me and tells me to get off the camera. <laughs> I just looked at him, and one of the other uh, camera assistants pulled him around behind the set wall. He came back out. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Turner. But I've been, I mean, that's, I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. It's happened to me so many times. I've had, I had a, a guy, he was in the perms. I was doing a commercial. It wasn't a commercial. It was a PSA on water. And I didn't have my usual crew because we'd just been up all night making a music video. So I had to use a crew that the producers put together. And basically, you know, I gave them a lighting plot. and Half the lighting was done when I got there. And there's this white dude up in the perms, and I sit down behind the camera because my assistant had already put the camera together. I sit down behind the camera, and this guy yells from the perm, get off of that. That's no toy. And I just ignore him. Hey, hey, man, leave that alone. You shouldn't be playing with that. And he climbs down off the ladder. He walks up to me, and he looks at the plate and says, I don't think Mr. Simmons would really appreciate you uh, playing with the camera. I said, do you know Mr. Simmons? He said, yeah, I know him. I said, well, you must know the wrong one because I'm Mr. Simmons, and what I need you to do right now is I need you to move that light about a foot over. He said, can I pan it? I said, no, move that one and the four next to it, a foot over. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of pretty ugly experiences. Hey, Robin, I can remember yes. my first gig my first gig was um, at, what's that place called, uh, CBS Radford. I was putting together the Tracy Morgan show. And on the very first day I go in there, one of the lot grips asked me, what do I want and why am I standing around? <laughs> I said, this is my show. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we were a little bit unexpected, you know. It wasn't. You know, they didn't expect to see us there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I I don't think I've had any, like, overtly um, racist actions happen to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's the, what do they call microaggressions now? Um, I didn't know that they they were microaggressions then. Um, But, you know, (laughs) things like that, you know, it's like... um, 
uh, driving up and and this this is even a project I was I was DPing and and the guy's telling me where extras parking is. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, I said where where the producers and directors uh, park. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, because they should have a space up there near me for me, you know. But but I I, I remember going in. I was a Steadicam operator. I just done. I had just bought my rig, and and I did a music video. And the the, the first assistant um, that did the music video, and this is a couple of days right after that. Um, I pulled them on to this live show. It was uh, one of the reality um, reunion shows. And so, uh, actually, it was a different show over at, over at Turner. And um, we push in, and, and they start, you know, the engineers and everybody, they, they see this brand-new Steadicam come up, and so they kind of linger over and start asking questions about it. And we had just did this job, so he kind of knew all of the questions that were being asked. But the first question that they asked him, you know, he, my assistant looks at me and then starts uh, answering the question, right? And I'm like, yeah, go on, keep going. This is going to be funny. And uh, so they get to some questions he can't answer, and he's like, I don't know, you're going to have to ask him, points to me or nods over to me, and they're like, have this, you know, tilted head look like your dog does. Like, huh? And he's like, well, he's the state cam operator. I'm the assistant. <laughs> it's one of those moments where like, yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> don't weren't they weren't expecting that one, you know. Mhm. Yeah. What about you, Robin? Have you had any experiences? Uh, mine um was um I I like to put it off as of just uh someone just being jealous. Uh mm-hmm. not wanting to uh accept that I was running a crew because mm-hmm. if I if I thought the other way, then it wouldn't be good because I would mm-hmm. really be pissed off. So I just I just try to to be more passive about it. Um, but yeah, I've I've faced that. But a lot of times, just somebody just did not want to take take orders from me. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I had to, uh, you know, set them straight, and that's this mm-hmm. is my job. And and if you don't do it, then uh, then you have to find yourself another job. You know, and, right? And, and I had and I've had to do that. So now these yeah. are so that's these are you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Johnny. No, I said I wanted to tell you another story. Okay. Um, my mentor right was a man named Car- my mentor was a man named Carlton Moss. Carlton Moss uh, used to work with W. B. Dubois. He was Paul Robeson's road manager. Manager. He made a film called The Negro Soldier. I'll tell you this: he was a PA for Oscar Michelle, um, and Carlton uh, helped me get into USC film school. And when I got out, he got me my first job as a camera PA, and it was at this place called Dove Films from Jewish people that were very politically aware. And I walked onto the grip truck, and that's where I saw the grip box with all the derogatory jokes on it. And I called Carlton up on the phone. I said, hey, Carlton, I think there's been some kind of mistake, man. 
um, this place is not that cool. He says, what, did you, what do you mean? And I tell him what I saw. And he says to me, he says, do you know any black people making movies? I said, no. He says, do you want to be a cinematographer? I said, yes. And he hung up in my face. And I stayed with that company for about two years. And they would say shit like, Johnny, I got to make this joke. It don't have nothing to do with you. But there was a, there was a black man, a China man, and a so-and-so, right? It'd be some horrible racist joke, right? And I would just sit there and listen to this shit. And there was this Jewish guy named Jerry Posner who eventually became the, own, the president of Hollywood Rentals. Did you know him, Robin? He was a guy. Oh, yes. He was, uh, he was a local 728 member. Jerry, right. yes, I know Jerry very well. He's yeah. deceased now. And, right. And Jerry Posner um, would sit off to the side and never participate in this racist shit these cats were doing. And he would just stare at me the whole time. So push forward 10 years, and I'm shooting a show for Will Smith and Jada Pinkett called All of Us, and it's on the Warner mm-hmm. Brothers lot. And they put your name on the wall where your parking space is. And, you know, John Simmons, director of photography. And I pull in there one morning, and Jerry is standing in my parking space. And when I get out the car, he says to me, he said, Johnny, I knew you'd be able to do this because you sat there the whole time, listened to that shit, you would ask people questions, they'd tell you, wait a minute, and you'd ask them again, Right? He said, mm-hmm. I, knew you would, I knew you'd do okay in this business. And all of us, every cinematographer you have on, every DP and camera operator you have on the phone now has had to have a passionate love for what it is they do that's greater than the mm-hmm. obstacles that they could face. And that's why all of us right. are on the phone, and that's why you're talking to us, because these endured. We did not let the micro racist things bother us. We didn't let that happen. I got a call to shoot a movie in Florida. I'm on the phone with the producer and the production manager every day. I fly down there. I get off the phone. I get in the lady's car. She doesn't say a word to me. She's like silent. When we get to the location, the place we're going to be shooting out in the woods, I get out the car, and the first thing I see is a motorcycle that has a license plate frame with a picture of a Ku Klux Klan guy on it, taking his hood. Mm-hmm. And it's called the original boys in the, the original boys in the hood. And I walked into that production trailer. You could hear a pin drop. I worked for mm-hmm. this for about a month, but after about three or four days, it was cool, and it was almost better than that sly racism of Hollywood. You, you knew who these guys were. You knew that the guy was going right. to get in the truck with a Confederate flag on the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> there was no wow. secrets there. Wow. And I guess those experiences really made you guys um, – stronger and more determined to, to see the course and to hang in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. So what, what, what kind of advice would you give um, 
you know, a, a young person who who wants to work in your business department and be camera operators and DPs, um, or even maybe even be starting out in the lighting and, and or as a gaffer. What kind of advice would you give them, um, especially since, you know, we're all dealing with the way the world is right now? And, and like you guys said, um, the different things that you face in that particular department, there's not many. And I'm assuming still to this day, there's still not a lot of um, blacks in the department. What kind of advice would you give them? Um, it's uh, nice that you asked that question because I'm going through that right now with a young man I met, um, he's on the show that we're doing. Since we're going through this COVID thing, he's one of the um, safety personnel. He's he's going around <laughs> cleaning everything. And I think he's from either Nebraska or Oklahoma. I know there's a big Brother. difference where they are, but but he, uh, he just had a nice attitude about him from the very beginning. Very humble kid, uh, and I told him and he wants to get into the camera department. Um, and I told him says, that you just got to uh, get yourself in the position which you have already by getting somewhere in the business, and then start making friends and uh, figure out where you want to go from there because you have a lot of opportunities. And this young man, I introduced him to our director and our producer and, and the uh, stage manager, or I should say the, the uh, uh, first assistant director, and he has taken that to heart. He goes up and chats with each and every one of them when they're not busy, takes notes, and I've been having the people he's talked to come back to me and goes, yeah, this dude is, is really trying to – so. I always encourage young people to pursue their dreams and to never really um, give up on that because uh, you have way too many other people in your lives, uh, sometimes well-meaning, that says, oh, you can't do that or you can't do this. And you really got to, you got to cut the noise out. You know, that's, that's what I, I would say to uh, people coming up. You just got to cut the noise out and do your thing. But they you need know, to be doing that hey. and doing it really great at, at, at what they're doing, too. Don't, don't be slacking off when you're trying to say, I'm, I want to be in camera, and you're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I, true. I've been pretty fortunate um, that I've always been very outspoken as to what my intentions were in terms of bringing people up and reaching back and teaching and mentoring people. Um, I've been very lucky in that all the shows that I've worked on, I've made it a point to let the producer, as they start suggesting people that they would like to see on the crew, I make it a point to tell them what I'm doing. And I've been very supportive. And I've been able to mentor people on my set. I taught at UCLA for 26 years, and I'd bring the entire class to the set when we were lighting at night. You know, they have 14 students up there. And even now... Well, before COVID, uh, I would always have a relationship with the producers and tell them that I wanted to mentor people on the set. And they were very supportive of that, especially at Netflix, the show that I'm doing now. The producer came up to me um, 
on Friday, and he said, Johnny, I was thinking about you last night. How are you going to do your mentoring with this COVID thing? I mean, what are we going to do? How are we going to get the students back in here? And I was just so surprised that these people were very supportive of what it is that I've been trying to do. And I'm a member of the American Society of Cinematographers. I'm actually one of the vice presidents there. And we have a mentoring program that seems to be working out quite well through a committee called the Vision Committee. And uh, actually we're working with Alfeo right now with the Society of Operating Camera uh, People. And, um, you know, it's just our responsibility to change the face of this industry and to be able to, you know, expose people to the stuff that we do and introduce them to people that are also supportive. And, I mean, I've seen it pay off. I've seen cats that I've mentored 20 years ago that are cinematographers, and this attitude is contagious. They're on set trying to change what our industry looks like, and that's a wonderful thing. Alfeo is a stone-cold freedom fighter. I mean, he's putting this thing together that is wonderful. You know, he's always trying to look out for us, and he's very outspoken in that regard, and I love him for it. And, you know, we just cannot be afraid. That has to be at the top of the list, especially when we get to a position where um, people give us the responsibility to handle big budgets, you know, and Mm -hmm. big actors and create big looks with large crews and, you know, there's no risk in it for me to try to move somebody forward and to be able to bring someone onto uh, the set to learn. Um, but this COVID thing is standing in the way of that. The guy from Netflix, yeah. the producer, said, well, Johnny, do you think we can do it on Zoom? Do you think we could just walk around with the computer and do it on Zoom and let them talk to the set dresser and the camera operators and tell them what they do. I said, that might be the only way we're going to be able to do it, you know? But we ain't going to right. stop doing it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alfeo, you talked about um, you're on the SOC, was it Inclusive Committee? Inclusive? Uh, yeah, Inclusion. Inclusion. Um, oh, I'm Inclusion Committee. Yeah, I'm on the SOC Inclusion Committee and also the uh, the Union for Cinematography, which is Local 600. Um, uh, their uh, Diversity and Inclusion Committee also as a uh, co-chair, actually, for the Central Region, which is the 22 states, basically, between the East Coast and West Coast uh, states. Can, are you able to talk a little bit about just in general what what you all are doing? Um, what do you, what, oh. it, no, go ahead. What was that, John? No, 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 no. I was just about to talk about what you were probably going to say. You know, go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, trying to right a wrong that's been around for a couple hundred years. Um, <laughs> right, <you know>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the the foremost thing is try to bring equity into the camera department, and it took a little bit to understand exactly what what equity meant. But it's it's 
there's a great little drawing that shows three three kids and of you know a little kid, a regular kid, and a really tall kid, and and the tall kid had three. There were three boxes, and he had two boxes he was standing on. The middle kid had one box he was standing on, could barely feel the fence, and the little kid couldn't see anything. So you know the taller kid can see without a box, so he gets no box. The middle kid gets a box, and he can still see. And this little kid gets two boxes, and he can see. So you know it's, that's kind of like you know what we're dealing with in terms of with uh, the race uh, races and and sex and also um, uh, any any other type of thing, even ageism. Uh, so we're really trying to figure out how we can bring about uh, equity within the camera department so that everybody is working and not just a certain mm-hmm. group of older white men. So right. that's that's the the biggest thing, um, and I think with what's happening with what has happened with uh, the social justice uh, wave, um, unfortunately, due to another black man getting uh, snuffed out by police officers, but it happened in front of everybody, in front of the mm-hmm. world. The world saw it. The world is hurting, and and I think that that hurt because it's coming from a different direction other than just black folks. Um, mm-hmm. There has been a lot more awareness and people are listening and at least looking at these um, these issues more carefully and not just thinking that it's just another black man complaining about his Friday night getting pulled over. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you guys think, um, I asked this the last episode, do you guys think um, if the George Floyd situation never happened, do you think there would be so many uh, conversations on diversity and diversity? I I feel like every union has a diversity committee now. Um, People are talking about it, trying to make change. Do you think that people would be, this would be happening in the way that it is now if had that not happened? That I was think that in our we've had these little spurts of the industry being concerned about diversity and, conclu- and inclusion that, you know, just kind of petered out over the years. I can't tell you, you know, since the 80s, you know, things, you know, every mm-hmm. now and then this idea of, you know, diversity in the industry would come up. But the thing that happened... Um, through the uh, situation with George Floyd is that everybody all over the world were stuck inside and glued to that mm-hmm. incident. And right. they were forced to, to look at it over and over again. And the, the, the heinousness of that man's murder was something that shook the world. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we have to we have to stand on the shoulders of that sacrifice in order for people to really move forward. And the thing about it is that the news and things like that are so expendable now and so transitory. I mean, we we cannot let the energy die. And we have to hold people accountable. Because I've seen it now, I've seen it like kind of cool down in a lot of places. 
haven't you, Alfred? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you know, it's not, it's not as powerful as it was, like, two months ago, you know, this energy to be inclusive. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, Johnny, because I think that because the world was on lockdown because of COVID, it was forced to see it, think about it. And, you know, in riots, the riots, um, the protests, I should say, um, along with the what the agitation that happened within those and the truth still coming out that and, and finding out. I think if we were all distracted by regular work all over the world, that no, this movement would not have been as strong and I don't think that people would have been dealing with this and then forced to also see how, um, yes, the systemic issues are also what has blocked people from seeing more black operators, more black DPs, more black technicians. Um, uh, and, and that I think is what, where the key has happened because it, it has been time with, with God, what, almost seven, eight months before Hollywood finally tried to get back to work. So there were a lot mm-hmm. of people that were, able to digest this and, and all of the talk and conversations that came throughout the month have really given given uh, room for people to think about it and understand that as a uh, white female friend of mine said, and when I ran into her at, at a Target, this is nothing that you created. This is, we created this. It's up to us to fix it, meaning her community. Um, She's right you know, about that. Yes. Right. <laughs> hey, but I'll tell you something else. Um, the studios are, you know, putting forth mandates for them to uh, be more inclusive in crew hiring. And there's a lot of people that are trying to make moves to make that happen. But there's this woman named Verna Myers. She's uh, incredible. You have to listen to her sometime. You can find her on TED Talk. But she's like an expert on inclusion. And she says, I love this quote of hers. She says, diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. And a friend of mine who's an electrician was invited to day play on a show with this uh, white cinematographer. And he gets on the grip truck, on the lighting truck, and the best boy starts playing some rap music with nigga, 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 every other word, right? And mm-hmm. the guy says to my friend, what do you think about people uh, saying that in a, in a song? And he says, well, you know, that's how songs are. He said, well, suppose I was to start saying that. He says, well, you know, as long as you're not calling me that, it'd be okay. He said, well, suppose I did. I said, he said, well, that probably wouldn't turn out that well. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go stand next to the dolly with the DP because he invited me to this job. And uh, if I stay in this truck with you, I don't think it's going to end very well. And Hmm. so the DP was trying to make a change, but the best boy and that electric crew were not thinking about inclusion. So Hmm. that's another challenge we face as the industry tries to go through this metamorphosis, you know? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
which is really I don't like – absolutely. What do you guys have any um, final thoughts on – and I, I know in, I, I think in all departments we all have to do – they all have to do better with um, including more people of color, um, especially when they're qualified and they can do the work. Um, but do you guys have any final thoughts on where we go from here and, and what changes need to be made? Well, something you just said was if they're qualified. I sometimes will bring in somebody who needs the experience on my electrical mm-hmm. crew or my grip crew, and all my guys are hip to that. We're doing a big day. Let's bring that guy in that was here before that doesn't know very much, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, Johnny, this show is just going to be really tough this week. You know, you really want to do that? I said, yeah, because we can do anything, the crew that we already have. Let's just work as if we were one man down, you know, and give this person yeah, yeah. an opportunity. So I think it's very important for me to take a chance on people you know, in situations that I'm not sacrificing the productivity, you know, or the outcome of the show, because that's the only way we're going to get there. And, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities that are happening with different organizations. There's one called, what's that place called in Chicago, uh, Alfeo Cine Space, where um, this woman has made a deal with ABC that, uh, people in the underserved community, 18 to 25, can get their days in an electrical crew and the grip crew, and I think in a couple other departments, and as they work on their internship, they get paid and they get, they get union days. So eventually they'll be able to get into the union. And I would just like to see something like that happen in our camera department. Our union rules are pretty strict and you know, make it very difficult for us to bring people into the department from, you know, different kinds of training programs. What's that one called out? And, um, there's a couple of them that will help you get into the union. But it's difficult Hollywood, because... Hollywood CPR is a big one. At Hollywood uh, CPR. LA. LA. Yeah, but they don't, they don't pay people, and it's through a college. So you can't ask a guy 35 years old who's been working non-union that wants to move into the union to go to college and do this thing for I don't know how long and not get paid in order to get a union job. So that doesn't right. work. So, you know, we need to figure out some ways um, to make a difference in the rules that prohibit people from getting into the union. Right now you got to work on a show that's non-union and flips to a union show, or you do uh, 100 days over a three-year period, or – 30 days on a union show, but that's impossible to get, you know? Uh, So there's a lot of things that we have to, you know, work through to try and make this situation change. Right. Absolutely. We don't want to hold – I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. There is another uh, thing that is just coming up, and it's actually coming from your son, Johnny. Oh, my son, Malachi, yeah. Malachi. He's another, another, he's another freedom fighter. Yeah, bright <laughs> young man. Oh, I love this dude to death. And he's uh, uh, local 728, 
and he has a, a committee on diversity. And he's got this woman, I can't think of her last name right now, but they're uh, putting together uh, a school that is going to work in conjunction with the unions of getting young people an opportunity, uh, high school kids an opportunity oh, yeah, to uh, get it to, yeah. to, uh, to uh, work in the industry, to give them a shot, to give them a taste of the to see if this is something they like. So there are things coming down in the pipeline and, and are really some really good brothers. And, uh, and one of them is uh, Johnny son. So that woman you're talking about yeah. is one of my former UCLA students. Ah, that's you know, right. She's, she's, yeah. She's been trained. <laughs> she's, she's been trained to do that. <laughs> And, she, and she's been uh, trying to get, uh, I think she did get into local 80, but this shows you how tough it is uh, uh, with the education that she had. Uh, yes. She still couldn't uh, couldn't fight through due to um, um, just the way things are, you know, the prejudice that is out there. And you know, and not having the uh, uh, any backup whatsoever. Nobody's looking out for it. But things right. are changing. I really do believe things are changing. Right, little by little. Right. Yes. Little by little. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us tonight. But before you go, we have one last question that we normally ask all of our guests. And I know this is probably going to seem a little strange to you guys, but we're going to ask you anyway. So we want to hear from each of you what your de- what your definition of beauty is. Like, what is beauty? I'm going to take the easy way out. <laughs> beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> oh my there God, go. Robin. that was really good, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Alfeo? Well, he, Robin just stole my answer. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> That's why we're what first. Is, <laughs> right. <laughs> what is beauty? Beauty, you know, it, it, it really is subjective to the to the uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it's... Um, some people look at things and don't see any beauty in it, and some people, you know, see all the beauty in everything. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all will be thinking about this question tomorrow at work. <laughs> yeah, you will be. <laughs> Come on, Johnny, what you got? I don't have anything very different <laughs> about that. <laughs> oh, God. Well, at least you all are leaving us with a good laugh. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us tonight. It's really inspiring. I learned a lot just listening to you all. Um, and it's good to know that... Um, you guys see things changing um, little by little, so that's good to know. 
Well, thank you for having us, and it's so good to share this time with you and Robin and Alfeo. Don's going to feel like he missed something when we talk to him tomorrow. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to hearing from him as well. Yeah, Don's going to be in trouble. His, his missus is a, is a makeup artist, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Don's wife is a makeup artist. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure is. Well, yes. well, well thank, thank you, guys. Too. I, I've, I've known y'all for a very long time. Love seeing y'all on set. You know, yes. we, we, you know when, when we're the only blacks sometimes. <laughs> yes. yes. And, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... I've known y'all almost my entire career. I, I have known yeah. my entire career, fan. <laughs> hey, I um, have. Hey, you guys. Um, something is coming on TV tonight that is probably mm-hmm. worth 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 watching. Um, mm-hmm. Let me tell you what it is. One second. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get it. Um, one second. One second. It's called. Why, why Debbie Allen's uncensored, and it's going oh, to be yeah. on at TV One. It's going to come yeah. on at ten. Yeah, TV One at ten o'clock. And you talk about somebody who's been working out, who's always made her situations as inclusive as possible. She's always yeah. demanded that the sets be inclusive. I mean, she's like mm-hmm. yeah. she's like a real soldier when it comes to that. And I I have to tell you, I just truly love her dedication to moving us forward. And mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pretty excited to see that show tonight. But if you get a chance, check it out. Definitely, I'll go to it right now. It's probably on right now. Yeah. Ten o'clock, yeah, it comes on. Yeah. Ten o'clock, yeah. All right. All right. Well, well good. Thank I will you so much. Now, thank you, guys. Uh, All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. Have a good week at work. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye, guys. Thank you, guys, for tuning in with us tonight. That was really great. As I um, learned so much about the camera department that I really some some things I really didn't know. but it was just good to hear from them. Um, Johnny had lots of stories, which was really nice. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Donald would have had um, a lot of stories as well because they both Definitely. have been in the business for a very long time. Um, so it's just good to hear. I think even though they give examples of things that happened, I think what's really good to hear is how, you know, they're they working responded. toward making the change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Absolutely. that's a great part is like what you're doing to make to help make change. That's the important piece. Right. Right. So it was good and that, to hear from that them. response that <laughs> that response to that last <laughs> question. <laughs> I knew that's how it was gonna turn out. They were not ready for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And you know, and I think I think I think a lot of people make their answers out to be more than it has to be. It's, it's not right. You know. 
it's very simple. You could give a one-word answer, you know, and it's really whatever you think it is. But everybody, everybody, one person took everybody's answer. Oh, God. Needless to say, um, um, we will be starting our Definition of Beauty campaign on our Instagram page. We'll have... um, We'll be sharing conversations with some of the people who have submitted um, their their answers. So for those of you who are on the line that I saw on the line tonight, I saw J.K. and a couple other people, Jennifer, and um, I think this is Sharon Tina. Sharon Tina. Somebody from Philly is on the line. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's Val. I'm not sure. But um, if you guys want to share your definitions of beauty, 30 words or less, um, you can email us that definition at beautygirlsmedia at gmail.com. Just send us a picture of yourself, pretty much more like headshot style of a picture. Um, and we'll post it on our Instagram page as well. So um, if you want to do that, you can. Or if you want to send us an audio clip of you giving your definition of beauty, we'll play it right here on um, on Beauty Talk. And that has to be... 60 seconds or less, and less, and it has to be a um, MPG, um, MP3 format. So there you go. Uh, but you guys can follow us on social media on Facebook. We are Beauty Talk Online, and uh, we are. Oh I'll, I'll take over from here. She sounds tired. I'll take over. <laughs> on, on Twitter, we're Beauty Underscore Talk. And then on Instagram with beauty underscore talk underscore media. And you can follow Denise and I both on all social media um, outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, simply by our names, Denise Donnell, J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. I'm Denise Donnell, D-E-N-I-S-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we'll be back next Sunday night as usual. But this was the last. Um, this was the last episode of the definition. I'm sorry, <laughs> the last episode of the Black Creative Experience. But just because this is the last episode of that, does that that does not mean the conversation is going to stop. We will forever be continuing this conversation. Um, and we um, we would like for you guys to just continue to follow along with us. So, again, we'll be back next Sunday night, 9 p.m. as usual. So with that, everyone have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night. Good night.